We are glad you're here if you're a college student, and we're assuming that you are. If you're not in the room and you don't fit that category, um, you're in here because you love college students. We'll make that assumption. Yeah. Uh, we we uh, want college students to experience four things here. We, we have a hope for you. One of them is that you will grow in your love and your knowledge of the Bible. Uh, the other one, uh, number two, I'll try to do them in order. How about that? That's number one. Number two, we want you to be influenced by multiple generations. Uh, there's a lot of gray hair and a lot of preschoolers here, so you can, you can be influenced from both ends. Uh, we want you to learn what it means to live on mission. And number four, we want you to encounter Jesus. That's the only reason we're gathered in this room today, because we believe there is one king who rules mm -hmm. and reigns over the universe, yep. and his name is Jesus, and he loves us, and we want you to encounter him when you get on the property here. Uh, I was thinking yesterday as we were moving students in, and uh, the, the craziest thing I heard yesterday that got moved was a sleeper sofa. If you're in the room, by the way, this is an awesome story. Thank you for providing. <laughs> Taylor Krause helped move a sleeper sofa to the fourth floor of one of the dorms with no elevator. That's right. Way to go, Taylor. Way to go. That's how he got a shirt, by the way. It's the only way he got a t-shirt today was that story. But there's a lot of emotions that go into yeah. that moving day. And you and I were talking this week that yeah. there's, a, there's a moment when you lay down in that dorm room where, you, where this may hit you. I am completely alone. Exactly. I think being at the university yesterday and I was helping move uh, some people in yesterday morning and I, it, like, it comes back immediately, right? Uh, for those of you who moved out of the dorms, as soon as you step back in the dorm, it's like everything just got all those feelings, emotions, all those things you experienced during that uh, year or two or three or maybe if you're still in the dorms, whatever, you, like it's there. And more than likely one of those feelings, unless you just had a really great experience, is a feeling of loneliness. Mm. And I, actually the dorm I lived at at UGA, I love saying this, um, it really makes no difference in the message this morning, but it's, it's torn down now. So my dorm isn't even there. I can't even step back into the dorm that I lived in, in my freshman year at UGA. But I remember being in that room and actually I got here early because of football season and I was waiting on a roommate who didn't show up for like another three weeks. And if there was one word to describe my freshman year, I, I would say uh, I could easily put the word lonely on it. And so some of you guys have been there. Yeah. Maybe you're there right now. Mm. In fact, we, we, in our teaching team with Pastor Carlos and others, we were discussing this survey that uh, we stumbled upon and saw that has just, just come out uh, that says that 30% of millennials say they are often or always lonely. 30%. And in the same study, it found that 20% have zero friends. Man. So you would think in a, in a generation that's supposedly more connected than ever, you would think the opposite, right? Hmm. You would think that people would feel less lonely. And in another study actually said that the ironic part of all of this, of the social media and all the rise of connectedness, is that people are more lonely than ever. And the reality is we, we are not created for that, and right. we know that. There's this deep longing in every one of us to belong, to be part of something, to be accepted and loved. 
And um, we believe uh, that the Bible gives the answer for why we have that longing and how that longing is met. And so this morning, we, we want to kind of lay the groundwork for you uh, for why we have this deep sense of needing to be part of a community, to not be alone. And that is going to be found in the book of Genesis. So if you will flip really quick to the beginning, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible uh, and you're just checking out the church thing, let me encourage you, there's a great app called Version. You can download that really quick and find, it's easy to navigate, find the book of Genesis on that. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible and you want one, come see me after, I can put one in your hands. So, but we will be in the book of Genesis. That's like if you just open the cover and get to the table of contents, it's the next thing. And so, if you're new here, this is what you're going to find. Like, we love the Bible. We yeah. love uh, just going straight to this text and, and walking through it and figuring out what is God saying to us. And so that's what we do week in and week out. Yeah, so w- the, the, the doctrinal rock that we're going to stand on this morning is this that in the Trinity, there is absolute, perfect, loving community. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? God actually kind of has a small group. Like Father, Son, Spirit. That's the Trinity. And, they, and in that community, there is perfect love. They submit to one another. In fact, uh, it's in this uh, idea of love. In fact, John, 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. Mm-hmm. Not love is God, but God is love. It's his essence is love. And real love has its origin in the relationship of the Trinity. And so for you this morning, the reason that longing is in you for community and to not be alone is found in Genesis 1. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. In Genesis 1, 28, God said, let us, that's a reference to the Trinity, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. So we are image bearers of that was God. Verse 26. I'm sorry, that was 26? 26 and 27. Oh, yeah, sorry. In case you're like, what is he talking about? Yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to break up your thoughts. No, that's there. good. Because so, if they were in 28, they were confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so here we have the triune God on display. He, yeah. it's, it's then God said, let us. The plural is used there. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Uh, In the opening pages of Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Um, Here's God. He's on display there. Uh, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. In the first three verses of Genesis, we see the triune God. We see uh, God the Father who created, we see the Spirit of God on display there, as he, he says, but where's, where's God the Son? He's, he's there too. He was there at creation. In verse 3, it says, and God said, if you fast forward to John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, uh, Jesus is called the Word who spoke creation into existence. And so we understand from throughout Scripture, even though you'll never find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible, we understand throughout Scripture this doctrine of the Trinity that God is three persons. 
in in one being. Yes. Yes. Okay. So yeah, you yeah. probably need to go ahead and explain the rest of the Trinity just so we understand it fully today, right? Uh, yeah. You ready? Uh, no. I, Augustine once said, uh, "Reject the Trinity, uh, lose your soul. Study the Trinity, lose your sanity." Someone got that. Some, yes. Somebody that's got Wayne Grudem systematic theology sitting on their desk at home got that joke. The, the point is, God is big. Yes. Right? That's what we get from If God created everything, this is a big God. And the way he explains himself is in this manner. And, and, and although we struggle at times and grapple to understand it, this is who he is. And, and, and God himself in the creation account gives us a little glimpse at what's going on with us when, we're, when we have those moments of being alone. If, if you look at uh, chapter 2, I'm going to get the verse right this time, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be, what? This is the audience participation moment. We're going to try that again. It is not good that the man should be alone. God looked and said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. So he makes Eve. And you have the first community formed by God in that moment because God looked down he saw that Adam was alone and that is not a good thing yeah. because this image that we bear right. needs community. That's right. So why is it not good for man to be alone? Well, because man's made in the image of God. That's what we learned in, in chapter one. If man's made in the image of God, one of the ways we see that work out is, has to be in the way that we deeply desire for community. The reason why it was not good for Adam to be alone uh, another good place you can see this on display is in John 17, where Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer. And in that prayer, you get a glimpse of how Jesus relates to the Father and to the Spirit and uh, the community that, that they have, that perfect, loving community. Again, if we're made in that image, then you, it's, it's not... It's understandable that like everyone in here, when we, when we talked about loneliness at the beginning, we say, you know, like you've probably been there, you felt lonely before that all, none of us were like, oh, that's good. Like that's a <laughs> yeah. good, all of us were like, that's bad. You know, like you immediately, intuitively are, are understand that it's not good to be lonely. Yeah. And, and this is why, the Bible shows us why. This is why, because we were made in the image of God and in the image of God, we desire and, and are built for community. Right, and so you have this, this really unbelievably perfect community at the end of Genesis 2. God, uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit in communion with each other, Adam and Eve in communion, they're in communion with God. It is absolute perfection, and then something tragic happens. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other. Uh, other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you, not, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. 
And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now listen to this. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. The first emotion after the fall is shame. Adam and Eve realize they are broken all of a sudden and that, and that this perfect community and this relationship they have with a loving God is broken. And the first emotion expressed is shame. Think about it. I think it's one of the reasons why when you hear, when you hear a study like that, that people feel lonely because we, we have this, this shame that kind of follows us a little bit. And some of it's low key shame, right? But we still think, man, if anybody really knew me, they would not accept me. They wouldn't love me. They, and, and, and that we, we tend to hide. And so we put up these false selves and hide behind them. Uh, it's, it's why uh, Instagram, uh, you take 72 pictures to get one, right? It's that there's a little bit of shame in that because you got you to gotta put your best self out there, right? That's, I think it's the residue of the fall that's on us that causes us to hide and not want to be in community and not want to search it out is that idea of shame that we see in our first parents, yeah. that they hide themselves because they're ashamed. God created us in his image, therefore we are created for community. But because of what happens in Genesis chapter three, that's where we find the barriers to community. If, if, if yeah. every one of us intuitively know, like we don't wanna be lonely, we want to be with other people, then why is it that it's so hard? That's the next question. Why is this so hard? Why is it yeah. so hard sometimes to like get in a group of people and figure it out, especially even among believers? And the reason is because sin is still in the world. God hasn't uh, taken sin out of the world completely yet. Um, he has saved us from sin, but there's still sin present in our world. And because of that, there's this fight that's happening. Yeah. And that battles against us. This is a scheme of the enemy. It was in Genesis 3. It continues to be today. This is a scheme of the enemy to isolate us. Right? Adam and Eve return back to uh, where Adam started alone. They hide from God. They're away from each other. And they return to that position. And it's God who calls them back yeah. away and out of that isolation. Yeah. And, and we see... In Genesis 3, actually, a, a promise that is made mm -hmm. that God is going to repair this, right? I don't know if you've ever seen this, but in Genesis 3, God, uh, God steps in and says, what's going on? Uh, not that he needs to know. He just needs Adam to own up, right? God knows where Adam is. He just needs Adam to admit where he is. And um, in verse 15 of chapter 3, God says, I will put enmity, this is him talking to the serpent, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is the first glimpse, the first whisper of a savior that's coming, of a better Adam that's going to come. We know that person as Jesus. And Jesus, Paul refers to him actually in Romans as the second Adam. Mm -hmm. Jesus comes 
In the Gospels, he's born and he lives the life Adam could not live for us. He, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, stepped out of that perfect community into our messed up, broken world to walk this life. And think about this. I, I, I want you to see this. You, you may have something to add to this, but I, I want us to look real quick at mm-hmm. Matthew 27. Mm-hmm. We think about the idea of loneliness, and we think about God loving us enough to send uh, Jesus to live uh, the life we couldn't live. And while he is dying the death we should have died, in Matthew 27, 46... Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachnia. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, think about that. You may have been lonely. You may feel lonely right now. Hear this. The second person of the Trinity, the God-man himself, was more alone than any human being has ever been in that moment. Forsaken by his father and, and his people. Dying on a cross for not his friends, for his enemies. Mm-hmm. Completely alone. So you and I don't have to be. That's the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. What the gospel does is it undoes everything that went wrong in Genesis. Yeah, and it, it, it for me personally this week uh, brings me from the point of why in the world would I be up here teaching anything about any of this? Because if you saw my life and the jacked up mess that I, <laughs> I am, then I have no business being here. But because of this story... It changes everything. Yeah. It changes everything in our life. It, it brings us to a point of boldness to call other people into this kind of life. That like we could end right now with this story um, and, and like that's enough. What Jesus did there yeah. was enough. But the good news is this, that even uh, with what Jesus did on the cross, he calls us a step further. And that's what we're trying to build today, this case that shows how, how God created us for community, how community was broken because of sin, and how Jesus now, through his work on the cross, through this gospel message, believing in that, that you can now walk back into community in the way in which God created it to be. Right, and, and we're in a series actually called Boarding Now where we're talking about the local church. And, and we really believe that the, the local church is the place where you, uh, where you see this kind of, it should be the place where you see this kind of community, mm-hmm. where, where there's love and acceptance and you, the, the realization of your dignity, worth, value, and purpose is rediscovered in the context of the local church. And so, are, are, are we ready to go there? So, yeah, so, so we're going to go to Acts 2 now Acts and two. show you what that's supposed to look like. So Acts chapter 2. 
And this is where we see the stamp of the gospel placed on his people living this out, okay? This is, all this is coming together. And just regular people, I think we read Acts a lot of times and we're thinking, oh man, these people are superstars. These are like, wow, look at, look at them. But um, when you look more closely in all the New Testament letters and, and in the Acts, you see these are just really regular people who are sinners like us, who've just had their lives absolutely turned upside down by Jesus. So look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a picture of the gospel community. We see in the, in the early pages of uh, Luke's record of how the church is born supernaturally, uh, out of you have 3,000 plus people saved on the day of Pentecost, and, and now chapter two, all of a sudden they're meeting. Mm-hmm. And you have this DNA of the church begins to emerge in these gatherings in this community. And there's some, there's some pretty key things that rise up out of this text that, that are kind of what I would call the DNA of, yeah. of a gospel community. Yeah. So before we go all the way there, I, I just have to tell you about um, when I was reading in the scriptures this week, just like, you know, in the mornings I read through the Bible uh, every year, I try to do that. In the book of Ezra, uh, there was this really interesting story that I have to tell you about, and then I'm going to connect it back to, to this passage. In the book of Ezra, um, Ezra is a part of a group of people who have been exiled away from Israel. Israel's God's people. They've been because of their sin, God has judged them. They have been removed from Israel. Uh, they've been conquered by other nations. And at the time, uh, there's a king of Persia who actually commissions a group to go back. And they go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the temple that Solomon had built. Uh, the work gets shut down again, and there's uh, you know, um, some adversaries who come along and say, look, these guys who are rebuilding this temple, they're part of a heritage of people who have been big-time troublemakers. We need to shut them down. Uh, a new king comes along, he shuts them down, and that actually happens. And then some time passes, another king arises, and around that time, uh, they start rebuilding again. Some of the prophets of Israel say, it's time for us to keep rebuilding this temple. Again, some adversaries arise, and they come, and they say, to um, this group of people rebuilding. They say, look, you've got to stop this work. Tell us who your name is. Tell us, uh, we're going to report you, basically, is is what they say. And let me just read from Ezra chapter 5. They write this to Darius the king. They say, be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God. It's being built with huge stones, and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and finish this structure? We also asked them their names for your information that we may write down the names of the leaders. 
And here's their reply. So they've said, okay, who gave you this uh, command to do this, and what are your names? And he says, this is what the people reply back, the Israelites. They say, we are the servants of God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. And basically, to sum it up, and their two, two answers were, you don't need to know our names. Mm. We're only known as this, servants of the God most high. And secondly, our mission is to restore worship of this God. So you flip over in Acts chapter 2, and we That's just read good. this passage in Acts chapter 2, and you see these people gather together, and there's two things that they share. They share this identity that they're servants of God. There's not a bunch of names listed out here in this, in this passage in uh, verses 42 through 48. We don't know who all these people are. It's just they're servants of God, and they're restoring worship to this God. That's good. And so what you f- see happening is this. When we share that kind of identity and we share that kind of mission— community occurs just like this. When you have the shared identity of us together as this church, we have the shared identity, we are here as servants of God, and we are on a mission to make his name known, then community will happen. If you've ever wondered, like, why isn't it happening right now? Like, I've, you know, I've been in a group, and I've tried to, like, you know, see that happen. The reason probably is because you're missing out on one of those two points. That's good. And so we want to, we want to, Call you guys to to that today, to to, to, to live this way uh, together. Yeah, that's good. That's enough right there. But we got time left, so don't anybody start packing up. Think about that. Right? And we all know that's true. If you've been on a mission trip, we we got our Boston team or our Puerto Rico team in the room this morning. Any of y'all? Y'all know this. It's okay to acknowledge. All right? Like you... You're in with those people. Your identity is, hey, you, you move to a place nobody knows you. Your identity is, well, it's those people, right, who are on mission to make God known in a place he's not known. And you, the, something happens. Like you, those people are your best friends. Like you, you come home, you're finishing each other's sentences, you got these little inside jokes, right? We all know what it's like to be part of that community. So this idea of, of identity and mission building community, that's, that's fact. We all know it and, and have lived at least a little piece of it, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best parts of that story in Ezra, just because it's so good you have to share, is like the adversaries rise up and they, they write that letter to the king and, the, and they're saying, king, look, you need to you know, watch out for these guys just like the last king did. And he reads that letter and instead of responding by shutting them down, he says, actually, what I'm going to do is um, give them supplies to finish the work. Yeah. And I think that's what God often does when, yeah. when we're in the middle of life like this. He blesses it, right? I mean, it's not always in ways that we, we want it to be yeah. blessed, I think. But it's a, like God uses us where we're at when we, when we have a shared identity and mission. And you'll see like community arise. You'll see his blessing through that, and that's what we're calling you to. Right, and, and you see the result of it in verse 47. Mm-hmm. Day by day, the Lord is adding to their number. So this, I, this community that's built around identity and mission begins to love one another and reach out and love others, and God just starts saving people. And, and that is, 
It's an amazing thing. It's how God builds his church and his kingdom and displays his glory in the world that some of the least likely people end up becoming part of this kingdom of God. Um, And one of the ways this year we believe that you can get connected, in fact, it's all really we're gonna talk about is is something we're calling tribes. Uh, It is a gathering of college students uh, in a group, and we'll unpack this as the weeks move on. Uh, We're calling tribes that have this DNA, these four things you see in Acts. They're devoted to the word. They're uh, in fellowship. They're breaking bread together and they're praying. Mm -hmm. These tribes will meet in uh, various places on uh, various nights, some in homes of church members, some in apartments maybe on campus. But we're saying to you, if you wanna be part of community here as a college student, you need to be in a tribe. And if you want more information about that, you track somebody down in a gray shirt like this today and and they'll at least know who to go to to ask about it, all right? But that's the big piece today. We we just wanna lay out in front of you just enough for you to go, I really wanna know some more about that. And what you'll see in the church, like a local church like this, because we know not everyone in here is a college student. We have kids and adults, older adults, and and uh, we have different kind of forms and fashions for this to take yeah. place, right? That for college students, we're calling you into tribes. For adults, we'll call you into these other uh, elements. And for kids, the same. And the, the point is this, because you don't, you don't find in the Bible, like, here, here's like um, a, the command to thou shalt be in a small group or something like that. Yeah. What We've just tried to build this case for biblical community to say this has to happen. And as a church, as pastors, as leaders, right. we're coming together and we're saying, like, how can we do that best? And we have shaped these things. And specifically for college students, we're saying, like, hey, jump into one of these tribes because this is where we're going to try to build this and make this happen. Yeah, build it around those two things, identity and mission. And, and you'll, you'll see as we move on in the next couple of weeks um, what that looks like. Um, one of the things um, that's so amazing about doing what we get to do is we get to hear stories. And uh, this week, we, we got to hear one uh, while we were in teaching team. And it was so amazing. It was actually the, what we've just talked about. Yeah. Um, lived out in front of us and we got to hear the story and it was so good we want you to hear it so we're going to ask Katie Mercadante to come up Mercadante yeah Katie celebrity <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to ask her some questions and this, this is just such a beautiful picture of what we've just seen in Acts uh, but so Joel you lead us here in tell this us conversation. Tell us a little bit. First, just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about who you are, what you like, what you don't like maybe. Just give us, give us two seconds of who, who are you. So my name is Katie Mercadante. Um, I just graduated college two years ago, and I'm, I'm from Athens originally, so I went away for college, moved back home two years ago, and now I'm here, got plugged into the church, um, currently working at Chick-fil-A. And I'm an intern at the church as well. I, intern- I interned with youth last year, and now I'm interning with missions. So it's been awesome. And so as we were talking this week, we are hearing more of your story. It was like, because we've known you for a while, but it was actually like sometimes putting all the pieces together of all that's happened in your story that we, we realized just 
some of those early days. You started coming here like two years ago. Like, why did you start coming here to begin with? Like, what, what caused you to say, I should go to church and like, and then even caused you to stay here? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. I can relate to probably most of you guys in the room of at some point in our lives, I think we all go through seasons of loneliness and feeling alone and um, isolated. And for me, it was a season coming back to Athens where I felt completely alone. I felt unloved. I felt uncared for. I felt, I didn't even feel like I had a sense of belonging anywhere. And I didn't feel like I had a sense of belonging with friendships or with family even. And so I was really struggling with that. And also um, the whole social media thing, just really hiding behind that as well and trying to find my identity and other things. And just really was left feeling kind of hopeless and just desperate and didn't know anybody moving back home. So I was really on my own too when I came back here. Okay. So what was it like for you coming to our church and your experience here and and what happened? So coming here, I was terrified (laughs) because I was walking in the doors not knowing a single soul, didn't know anybody, didn't recognize anyone. Um, I was completely alone. And so it just scared me to, to keep coming back, not knowing anyone, not having community. But when I walked through the doors, I just noticed that there was a difference in the way that the people treated each other and the way that they loved and the way that they they talked in the way that they hung out and cared for each other. And they really, truly um, just loved so, so well. And it was so evident. And I just wanted to be a part of that. Mm. And so that was the initial draw of me wanting to keep coming back because I saw all the relationships played out in front of me. And these people were truly living for Christ and they were living as wholehearted followers. And I'd never seen that before. Mm. So that was something just so different and unique. And I just really wanted to be a part of it. So specifically... There's people who are like reaching out to you and talk. What did you do? What did they do to, to where you became more ingrained here and, and a part of our community here? There were a lot of people that, that kind of welcomed me in and were super intentional. And there's so many of my close friends now that I know I'm going to have for life. And more importantly than just community, they just showed me what it meant to be a wholehearted follower. And they really took me under their wing and they invited me to D groups. They invited me to events that the college had and they asked me to hang out outside of the church. And so I started getting more involved that way and meeting more people. Um, But I will say though that although that they were so intentional, it did take some part on my end to be bold and to take those steps and to say, hey, I'm new, I don't know anybody, and I really want to get involved. And so it was really awkward at times, and it was super uncomfortable, but it really took me getting out of my comfort zone and and being bold and saying, I'm going to show up, I'm going to make the effort. So Mm -hmm. I really do encourage all of you guys, too, that if you're in that same boat of not knowing anybody Mm -hmm. or wanting to get involved, to just show up, just make an effort, just be there, just hang out with people, be intentional. And I think it's just so great seeing the community part of Watkinsville, the aspect of a biblical community, of those people coming to you and just being intentional and pouring into you. And they played a huge role in doing that because they would invite me, but not only would they invite me, but they would hang out with me. They wouldn't just leave me and they would they would walk with me and show, show up with me. And the amazing thing is that these are people that I was surrounded by that loved me so well and they literally just did life. They discipled me, but more than just teaching me the word, they showed it through their actions by the way that they were living. And I saw the love of Christ displayed in front of me and it was just, it was amazing. Mm. And just not that long ago, you were baptized here. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it just from the point of you coming here and seeing these people and the love that they had, it, it like I mean that was transformative for you, right? Yeah, it changed my life in so many ways. Hmm. So and in some of those ways that it really really changed my life was was these people just showed me um, what it meant to seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to set your mind and your heart above all things. Um, and and it, yeah, it just completely transformed my heart. So coming here, before I came here, it was all head knowledge and I knew the things. It was very like a basic Christianity and I was just living life going through the motions. I had been to church before, so I was just going to like check things off. Mm. And it was just all head knowledge. I knew it, but I wasn't really living it out and living differently. And so coming here, I just saw what it meant for it to transform your heart and that's what it did. It became heart knowledge and Mm. caused me to live my life differently. That's awesome. And so a, a couple of things there I hope you picked up on that Katie had to, had to step out of some comfort out of, from the hiding, right? Which, which we, that's just in our nature, we wanna hide. But Katie had to take a step out and people took a th- step toward her. It's, that's, that's community. You just move toward each other. And, and that's, if you hear anything today, hear that. Move toward each other. There's a lot of us in the room today, many of us, probably have this sense that I'm alone. And so today, this is gonna be how we end today. You don't, don't leave like that. Move toward somebody. And they'll be moving toward you, right? So I'm gonna pray for us, here's what I want you to do. Couple of things, exit out these doors and right behind us right here outside, you can grab a Coke, uh, a bubbly, Uh, or a bottle of water, find somebody in a gray t-shirt. If you have any questions, they're the go-to people, right? And also, if you will say to somebody in a gray t-shirt, hey, where are you taking me to lunch today? They'll take you to lunch. (laughs) They will, and if they decline that, you come find me and we'll fix it. Uh, And then- uh, Where are you taking me to lunch? Oh, I got something for you, my (laughs) man. Wait, if I gotta take all your kids too? Because I don't know. I may need to get alone. Yes. But here's, so I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna exit out these doors and y'all, we're gonna hang out out here and move toward each other, okay? Find somebody you don't know today and, and say, I haven't met you yet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your church and how you save us and bring us into this community with, that has an identity and has a mission Uh, God, I pray that anyone that is here, if they're lonely, God, give them a little courage to just take one step today towards somebody else. Maybe to say, hey, I don't know anybody here. And those of us who've been here, who know this place and love this place, help us to step toward those people. Now, God, I pray you would be with us as we go into the community this week, that we would live with an identity and a mission that brings glory and honor to King Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.